It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the sports, sports Rush with Brett Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, 11 yards, touchdown! Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Older than one. We are over the hump. It is a Wednesday edition of the Sports Rush. Your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. We've got you on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. And we've got Destin Adams who will join us coming up later this hour. We've got tickets to give away, Shrine Circus tickets, the circus coming to town, and it has come to town how many years? Oh, I mean, oh. I watched it when I was a kid, so I know it's, well, uh, not to date myself, but it would be over 50 that the circus has been coming to town at the end of January, because I don't think it's ever changed. I remember as a kid, because I used to live over in Northcrest, you know, the subdivision over there uh, behind Bishop Dwinger High School, Yeah, and from our house, we could see Clinton, and it, and it used to be we... The circus day, you would see all the buses coming by because they always put on a special show for school kids, like on Saturday morning or whatever, and you'd see all those trails of buses coming down Clinton heading to the circus. Get this. The Shrine Circus, founded in Detroit, Michigan in 1906. Been coming to town for a while. Yes, it has. Um, I'm wondering... uh, I'm wondering what the oldest circus anyone that listens to this show has attended. Because I would think I would have been there probably uh, 69, 70, somewhere in that range. If you've gone to an earlier circus than that. Yeah, if you can beat 1969 or 70 and you can confirm it. (laughs) (laughs) How are you going to prove it? I don't know how you're going to prove it. But, uh, but yeah, I've been... I mean, I, I went probably for five, six, seven years as a kid and then uh, and then went back a couple of times. You know, it was a date night, I think, when I was like high school. And then it was a date night when I was in my 20s, a date night <laughs> oh, when I was in my 30s. That would have been then, so lame. Then I took kids. <laughs> when I was in high school, that would have been such a lame date, trying to get a girl to go to the circus with you. Oh, man, the... Back in the day, I'm sure it was perfectly valid. The ladies valid. love the circus. Oh, they would have looked at you like you're See, a loser. See, now I know why you're... Oh, <laughs> Miss, Mr. Relationship Expert here, you wanna, Adam. You want to take me to the circus? Mr. Mr. Relationship Expert's going <laughs> to offer some dating advice. Uh, the, hey. No, the circus is a good date. Baby mm, back in the oh, day. Oh, come on. Another fun fact, the circus was originally only one ring. But by 1925, it had grown to three rings of fun. Well, and you know what else? They've got the high wire acts, the acrobats. 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 That's our key word today. So if you want to win the four pack of tickets to go to the Shrine Circus, maybe even take a date. Just, you know, <laughs> date night. Date night. Yeah, a double date. You can you can actually invite like your buddy and you can both take dates. You got four tickets. It's a four pack of tickets. 
The Shrine Circus comes to the Coliseum January 26th through 28th. And today's key word that you text us at 46862, that's 46862, is acrobats. Somebody poking fun, they asked if you made it to one of the first shows <laughs> back in 1906. Yeah, I went to the One Ring Circus. <laughs> I, was, I was there. I was there before. That One Ring was awesome. These three rings now. It got too confusing. Too many things to look at when they put in those extra rings. Uh, All I remember was the car that like blows up, falls apart. And I always wondered, how did they get that thing put back together so fast before the next show, which is like two hours later? Was that the clown car? Yeah, it probably was the clown car. Yeah. Yeah, because... uh, they had a car that like totally blew up and everything fell, you know, all the doors blew off, the hood blew, I mean, everything blew apart. And I kept thinking, hey, they just destroyed their car. But then you come back for a show two hours later and here comes that car again. It's like, okay, it's a trick car, gets put back together, just, you know, snap, snap or whatever. Uh, but as a kid, it was very confusing. There must have been a hole in the floor for all of them to climb out of <laughs> through the car or something. When, when, when they had the car with like 24 clowns yeah. that would all climb out of it. Yeah, I don't know how they did that. Yeah, see, it, it, the circus can be confusing <laughs> for a six-year-old. So, uh, now, how many, did you go to the circus? I think I maybe maybe went to one or two really? as a kid. I remember they, you, do you remember at the Coliseum, they kind of had that like separate section, which was kind of like a fair almost at the circus where you could ride the elephant and all that? Um, the, that was downstairs. That was yep. for the people who didn't have tickets to the circus. Oh, we did both. You, you would go oh, to the okay. And then you would go to the expo I, center. I, I don't know if this, if does the circus ticket automatically get you into the circus fair where you can go downstairs and actually walk through and see the elephants and stuff? I don't know. That's a good question. Well, I haven't been to the circus for a while. Oh, us professionals here are... Well, you know, I, I my kids got too old, and I stopped dating. So Because uh, <laughs> you two, invited them reasons. to the circus. <laughs> so I, did, I decided it wouldn't be a good idea to take a date to the circus. My wife probably wouldn't like it. So uh, anyway, 46862, Sparky Sports Medicine, text line 46862. Last night, tough night for Indiana and Purdue. Both of them lose in Big Ten play. And uh, for the Indiana Hoosiers, I'll tell you what, it's almost gotten to the point where it's the norm, not the anomaly, you know, where all of a sudden you've got uh, Indiana going on the road or Indiana away from Assembly Hall, not looking good. And I I know you're giving me a look like we're going to have something breaking. What is it? Nick Saban is retiring. Wow. Won six national titles at Alabama. He is done. Wow. Tommy Reese, congratulations. You're the No, he's not gonna get <laughs> just who, pro, go ahead. Who would I mean, how big of a program would you leave to take over at Alabama? I you know, I could see top twenty coaches wanting to coach at Alabama. I'm trying to think if there's someone that just like jumps out that makes the most sense to be the successor to Nick Saban. First of all, You're taking a lot of pressure on. It's always tough to replace a legend. You know, uh, replacing Bear Bryant wasn't all that easy. But uh, Nick Saban retiring from Alabama football. Wow. Well, we know that's another big name out of the coaching profession then. I mean, we've already talked about Mike Vrabel being fired in Tennessee. Pete Carroll not going to come back to Seattle. And that, I guess it would be a firing, but uh, you said that you were seeing some reports that he might actually have some type of a 
what uh, administrative executive role as a consultant or something in Seattle? Yeah, Mr. Carroll is expected to stay in Seattle as um, kind of just like a front office role. Don't you think he wants to? He just seems like a coach. Uh, you know, the relationships and the way he is on the sideline. I can't imagine him stepping away from that. Uh, I, I We'll see where the future goes. But the initial reports, I guess, that Seattle is offering him some type of a front office position to remain with the organization. Um, but that's the big news. And, of course, Adam Schefter reported earlier that Matt Eberflus is back with the Bears. You know what's funny, Adam, is that uh, every time we don't talk about something, like the Chicago Bears, the Detroit Lions, or uh, Butler basketball or, or something, every time we miss a subject, that, uh, that we don't include on this show. What happens? People complain. Why don't you ever talk about this? Why don't you ever talk about this? So today, I actually address the situation the Chicago Bears are in. And what did we get? We get someone complaining, telling me to stay in my lane and leave the Bears alone. Yep, they said uh, nothing is more comical than a Colts homer, which is what you are, Brad, apparently, <laughs> thinking that he knows what the Bears should do. Stick to your delusional Colts opinions. Well, here's the thing, first of all. Um, I'll admit I probably have a little bit of a fandom for the Colts. I like them to win. I supported them before I did this show. But the point is, we we talk about the teams that matter the most to our audience here in Northeast Indiana. So even if I was, let's say I was a Broncos fan, okay, the team I would talk about the most often would be the Colts, and it doesn't necessarily mean I'm a homer. It's like when we talk about IU basketball, okay? Everybody immediately, if I talk about IU basketball more on a show than I talk about Purdue, everybody thinks I'm an IU fan and I'm a Purdue hater, and that's not true. It isn't necessarily reflective of my preferences or fandom as to who I talk about. I talk about the subjects that I think matter to you because you're more important than what I think. And so if you are a fan of, of IU, which, let's be honest, even if you're a Purdue fan, you're outnumbered. IU has you. And uh, we can't ignore that. And in Indiana, Colts fans, they, they still own the joint. I mean, there's a lot of other teams that people support. I think I know more Steelers fans here in the Fort Wayne <laughs> area than any other team. But, you know, you've got Lions fans. You've got Cleveland Browns fans. You've got Bengals fans. You've got... I know people that, that are somehow San Francisco fans. <laughs> Probably grew up when San Francisco had Steve Young and Jerry Rice and decided, ah, that's the team I'm gonna I'm gonna root for because they win. <laughs> and uh and they've stuck with it. I all I know is that uh you know, we go for the core. We go for the teams that seem to matter most to our audience and our listeners here in Fort Wayne. Absolutely. Speaking of our listeners, shout out to Dan texting in. He said he was a third grader in 1961 when he oh. went to the circus. Well, Dan, then uh, right now you are the leader in the clubhouse with the oldest circus attended 1961. It whooped me pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he did. Another listener with a, a funny one. They said all of us Purdue fans uh, will send Ryan Walters down and pay for the first year of housing for him to be an Alabama coach. <laughs> yeah. We're only thinking of Alabama. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like Matt, Matt Eberflus. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, um, I mean. It's quite the opening. Who do you have? Uh, maybe our listeners can let us know. Who, who makes sense for a possible successor to Nick Saban? That's tough. That's a tough one. 
Yeah, because it has to be somebody, first of all, that's got enough experience, but also somebody that isn't going to uh, to be concerned with the pressure that's going to come with the position. Because the expectations now are college football playoff or bust for Alabama. That That's what they expect. You know whose ego would probably love to have it is Brian Kelly. Mm, yeah. But he, is he going to bail on LSU? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if Alabama would want Brian Kelly. That's another question to ask. <laughs> 46862 Sparkview Sports Medicine text line. What do you think? Uh, who ends up in Alabama as the successor to Nick Saban, who's announced that he is going to retire? How old is Nick Saban? He's 72, over 70. I think. Yeah, he's, uh, he's over 70. It's remarkable that hair has not great. 72. Uh, 72 years old. All right. So uh, anyway, we've got to get a break in because we've got Destin Adams who's going to join us. We want to get his take on the Colts game Sunday against Houston, uh, how it ended for the Colts, but also a recap of the season and moving forward, where did the Colts go from here and some of the key personnel decisions that they've got to make. Destin Adams Coming up on the other side. Hey, don't forget Christopher James Menswear. Right now, it's a a great time to shop at Christopher James Menswear because you can save 50%. That's right, 50% right now at Christopher James Menswear on a lot of the winter and uh, and, winter. the winter and fall fashions, you know, they, they only give you a couple of times a year. Usually it's around the big game, right, when you when you save. And uh, at Christopher James Menswear right now, you can save 50% on uh, all their, their clearance winter and fall merchandise. And, and I'll tell you what, when you go to Christopher James Menswear, you're going to get treated with great respect. They're going to find outfits that are comfortable for you, not only when you put them on, but comfortable when you find out the price. Go ahead and check it out. With 50% off, this is the perfect time to experience it for yourself. Christopher James Menswear. Uh, They are in Covington Plaza on West Jefferson, just a block west of Getz. Got some texts rolling in on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862 as Nick Saban announces he is retiring. And that is a prime job opening in college football. Who do you think will be next? We've got some texts that came in. Well, we've got an Urban Meyer, a Jim Harbaugh. Yep. Uh, and then we got about uh, two for Dabo Sweeney. But then somebody else said, at one point, I thought Dabo Sweeney would be a lock, but it doesn't feel like it now. <laughs> it's like after last year, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe it's like Michael Penix in the national championship game. It's like I thought he was going to be a chance at a top five pick and maybe not. All right. We've got to get to our next guest joining us on the phone line from A to Z Sports. Covering the Indianapolis Colts, Destin Adams. Destin, that's a that uh, that is a marquee job opening down in Alabama. D- is there a name that jumps out for you that you think that guy might be the one to watch for that that opportunity at Alabama? I mean, you guys have been you guys said Dabo, um, and I know there's been some talks for years that he could slide in after Saban leaves in that prime role, but I mean. I, like you guys said, I, after this last year, I, I have no idea. But all I do know is uh, I'm, I'm praying for whoever that guy is that has to step into Nick Saban's shoes because <laughs> uh, I, my guess is they're he's, they're not going to be able to fit him. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's uh, that's the thing I said. It, it's a it's a tough spot because you know a lot of people are going to think of that as the marquee job opening in college football, and yet you're also replacing what I, I think it's fair to say a legend. 
And, uh, you know, replacing Bear Bryant was, uh, you know, difficult. Now you've got the job of replacing a Nick Saban down there. And uh, it's it's not an easy role. You've got to have a pretty thick skin, a strong ego, and you've got to have success. Hopefully it's not Kurt Signetti who ends up in Alabama because Indiana was just starting to enjoy that guy. Uh, but we'll see what happens down in Alabama. All right, let's talk Colts football. The season is now officially over after Sunday's loss to Houston. Obviously disappointing. I said on the show earlier, it's time to get past the disappointment, look back at the whole season, and there's plenty of positives you can take out of the season and try to start to sort through what the Colts have to do next to prepare for 2024 and to take a next step forward. Uh, First job, obviously, get Anthony Richardson healthy. But in looking at that Houston loss, a lot of a lot of attention is put on that fourth down play. Dustin, what was your reaction and your thoughts about the play call and the personnel? Yeah, I mean, in the immediate reaction, like they call the timeout, they come back on the field. Um, it becomes very obvious even before the snap, like, whoa, Jonathan Taylor is not on the field. Um, I think that was shocking for a lot of people. That was shocking for me. Um, they obviously run the play. Um, they get an open look. Tyler Goodson there, and Minshew leaves it a little short. Goodson probably should have still made the catch, and it goes through his hands, and you end up losing the game. I mean, I, they say football is a game of inches, and uh, right there, if the ball is just an inch further down the field um, from Minshew, it's it's going to happen. I, I wrote a piece on the play right afterwards, and while I – understand the criticism that came out of it. I, I think me as a person, um, I would have had Jonathan Taylor on the field, even if the play isn't drawn up for him, just because of the weight of that situation. But it's hard to find fault Steichen when his play call worked. I mean, it, that catch happens. Goodson's walking into the first down range, and they're going to continue that drive going forward. And it just didn't work out. Um, it feels like if they run that play ten times and that throw is wide open like that, they probably complete it nine. We just sadly live in the reality of that one where it didn't work. Yeah, you know, it almost sounds like your words coming out of my mouth of what I've been saying last couple of days was, I, I love the play call. I'm glad that the guy was open. Uh, I just think Jonathan Taylor needed to be on the field to balance the threat that you might just run the football because – that uh, defensive end, he pinned his ears back. He was coming after Minshew in the backfield. He was he was on that uh, that speed rush around the outside, and I think he presented just enough interference on that rush that Minshew uh, reacted and and kind of sidearmed it a little bit to Goodson. And I think that's why it was inaccurate. You put Jonathan Taylor out there. And I don't think you've got to pin your ears back type of pass rush. I don't think that guy gets in the way and gets involved in the play. I do think that makes a little bit of a difference there. But uh, but overall, I think the most glaring mistake for the Colts was not a fourth down play. And uh, Kent Sterling I had on yesterday, he talked about this uh, as well, that Nico Collins catching nine balls. He had to be the focus of the defense. The defense did not deliver in stopping Nico Collins. Yeah, the the youth in that secondary um, caught up to them. Um, they they were starting two rookies on the outside, two second year safeties. Um, missing Julian Blackman really hurts this team on the deep end, and we saw it multiple times where that pass off from the corner to the safety it just didn't look natural. 
and guys like Nico Collins were able to find their openings in the zone and make make them pay. Um, the, the, the Texans were missing their receiver two, three, and four. So it was Nico Collins, and then their five and six um, that were active for this game, and they practice squad call up for the seventh. Um, and they still couldn't stop Nico Collins. I mean, you're right. Like that ends up being just the backbreaker. You can't let a guy be that dominant on you. You you just can't. You lose games, and then they lost this one. Before we talk about the future of the Colts, let's talk about the current state of the NFL. Mike Brable out in Tennessee, and that was a uh, team decision. I'm a little surprised by it, but it seems to me that there was just a little bit of a disconnect, perhaps, between Vrabel and the ownership based on the comments that the owner made uh, after the announcement that that, that they were going to move on from Mike Vrabel as your coach. And we've had a couple of kind of curious firings. Uh, Pete Carroll out in Seattle. Anything surprise you as far as coaches that have, I mean, Eberflus is staying in Chicago. That was a question mark. Anything as far as the uh, the Black Monday and the coaching carousel that has surprised you so far? Yeah, I mean, 2024 is coming out guns a-blazing, Brett. Um, Vrabel gets fired. Um, Pete Carroll is not labeled as fired, but when he talks today to the media, it sounded a lot like uh, they, they're moving on from him and this is not what he wanted. So we can call that what it is, and he was fired. Um, Bill Belichick is a name to watch that could be fired. Um, and then we have Nick Saban retiring. I mean, <laughs> if you're a notable name in the coaching world, I mean, you're at risk nowadays, it feels. Um, so I, I've been shocked by all of those moves. And when you mentioned the Bears situation, it, it's interesting to see a coach that has basically been given one more year to figure out things now have to hire an entire offensive staff in Chicago where the offensive staff that's going to come in is going to be told, yeah, if Eberflus is fired the next year, you guys are going to be fired too. So no job security there. Yeah, it'll it'll be really interesting to kind of see what candidates they can even get to get in the door there. Just because yeah. that that's a lot to go through there. Well, and the thing about Eberflus, I almost felt like this season was the season to prove it. And I guess the results were inconclusive enough that they decided we'll get rid of half the staff. Uh, but we'll keep you around and give you another year then to prove it with some new guys. Yeah, I mean, Eberflus obviously um, spent time in Indianapolis. Players love the guy. Um, so, I mean, if, a, if the locker room is kind of behind him, I can see why they would want to continue to have him there for another year and kind of see how it goes. It's just, to me, I mean, firing Luke Getzey and most of his staff had to happen. The offense there was unreasonable at times to Fields. Put him in awful situations, and you have to have an offensive mind there if Fields is the quarterback or if they're drafting Caleb Williams or Drake May. Well, and that's the question. That's the question, Dustin. Does this does this t- give us a, a, a tip as to what the Bears might be planning for the future at that position? Yeah, I mean, I, we're still going to be in the lying season there. I think they're going to tip their hand multiple times saying that they're, t- they're trading Fields. They're not trading Fields to keep teams on their feet. Um, to try to get the best offer they can for what they do decide. But what I will say is with a new staff likely going to be in the horizon the next couple of years and the fact that Fields only has two more years on his five-year deal, like they have a chance to reset that five-year window with a rookie quarterback that's of the stature of Caleb Williams or Drake May. So I don't know how business-wise you can pass up on the number one pick two years in a row unless you just get a crazy offer. And, I mean, we'll see how everything plays out here in the next couple of months. But 
right now, if I was a betting man, I, I would say that they keep the number one pick and they draft a quarterback. Let's talk about the Colts moving forward now. And uh, decision number one, Michael Pittman, and I don't know who holds the cards here. It sounds like Michael Pittman wants to test the market. Do the Colts have any any opportunity or thought of a franchise tag? I heard that mentioned at his uh, media availability, but that's going to be very expensive and probably overpay Michael Pittman for what a regular contract would cost. I think even Michael Pittman thinks so. But is he priority number one for the Colts in the offseason? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I, I think the, the, the talks going on right now is what you normally hear from a top free agent. Um, if Pittman was able to hit the market, he would have interested teams, obviously. Um, I have a hard time seeing the Colts allowing him to hit the market. I think their number one priority will be to get a long-term deal done. If for whatever reason they get up to the deadline, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. I believe wholeheartedly that they would use the franchise tag on him, something they haven't used since Pat McAfee in 2011. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty significant if they end up using it, but I I don't see a world where they let him hit the market. Okay, so we can agree on number one, but who is priority number two for the Colts? Yeah, I mean, that's where it gets a little, that's, that's the gray area, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. three players there that probably are in that tier two um, that they're going to look to prioritize. Julian Blackman, safety, Kenny Moore, the slot corner, and then Grover Stewart on the inside. If you're asking me who I would prioritize second, I mean, Julian Blackman had an incredible season before the end of the year getting hurt. And he, he struggled with injuries during his entire career, finally put – uh, what looked like it was going to be a full season and then gets injured in that week 15 and has to miss the last two, three games. And, but Julian Blackman was having like one of the better safety seasons in the NFL this year before that. Um, so, it, I mean, it sucks to use this way, but um, with the injury happening, it's, it's probably a possibility that the Colts get to spend a little less on him than they would have prior to the injury. Um, and probably a one-year prove-it deal is what him and his team will want. Um, but I think Julian Blackman has the side of things and just the fact that there's not another safety on the Colts roster right now that does what he does. What's the situation with Zach Moss? Yeah, I mean, I think we saw multiple guys produce. We saw Trey Sermon produce. We we saw Goodson producing, not in that fourth down play, but we saw him produce at other times when he when he got his number called. But Zach Moss obviously was a really solid backup to Jonathan Taylor and filled in for him really well during the beginning of the season. Um, I, I know he has interest in staying. I think he's a guy that probably does hit the open market, and I'll be interested to see if a team offers him a starting job because, I mean, even if the Colts are willing to match contract-wise, they can't offer him a starting job. Mm-hmm. So if that comes to mind, like, I have a hard time seeing him back. But if teams don't view him in that light still after this year and they, he doesn't get that starting offer, um, I think he and the Colts really enjoyed that partnership since that trade for Naeem Hines sending him to Buffalo and bringing Moss in a pick here. Um, so I think there's a good enough relationship there to where if an opportunity arises, I think he could be back. Is there a glaring hole that the that, that was exposed this year with the Indianapolis Colts where they're going to have to consider free agency? And I know it's not been a thing that, that Chris Ballard's wanted to go out and spend for top free agents. But is there one that you think they have to consider spending some serious cash? DeForest Buckner is the first name that comes to mind of a guy that they decided they needed help in that spot and they were willing to pay for it. Is there a spot right now where you think the Colts are going to have to play the free agent game? 
Yeah, so two positions come to mind, and then I lean one specifically that I would use free agency for. Um, when you're looking at corner and you're looking at edge rusher, um, some people listening might be shocked that I say edge rusher because they did have a solid amount of sacks this season. But I think the problem was they had a good group of guys that as a whole could get pressure together, but they're still missing that prime guy that could just be the number one edge rusher. Um, I think two are going to hit the market this year, which never happens. Chase Young, who was traded to San Francisco, um, they kind of traded for him with the intent of this being a one-year thing, try to see if they can maximize this window to win a Super Bowl. They're not going to have the money to pay him as long as the other people that has been there for a little bit longer. So he's probably going to hit the market. Brian Burns in Carolina is another one that will be interesting to see kind of if Carolina lets him hit the market because they haven't been able to come to a deal these last couple of years. Um, I lean Chase Young to the youth and his ability in both the pass and run game um, as a guy that the Colts should go look at. And then corner, there's not multiple stars hitting the free agency market. That's why I lean edge rusher there to use free agency for, but they have to get more bodies in the corner room that they trust to be on the field. Because even if they like the upside of Juju Brent and Jalen Jones, you, you have to have more proven commodities in a secondary um, or we'll see quarterbacks pick you apart like we did this year. And we didn't even play a lot of elite quarterbacks this year. Next year, there's multiple coming. You know, I know Colts fans like to mention the name T. Higgins as a guy that's available at wide receiver. And I do think the Colts need a wide receiver. I'm just not sure if T. Higgins, number one, uh, if he's too much Michael Pittman. And number two, if he is going to cost as much or more as Michael Pittman. What what about the wide receiver spot? The Colts, I feel like they've got to get that vertical threat other than Alec Pierce. I don't think long term Alec Pierce is the answer. Yeah, I mean, I think I would use the draft for that one. It's a very deep class this year, and I would rather have Michael Pittman than T. Higgins. And like you said, I think T. Higgins probably is going to get paid more than Pittman will, which is something they're going to have to consider. Well, uh, Destin, appreciate you jumping on with us. Uh, sounds like the dog wants your attention. <laughs> it, it's always great. We we love the uh, the real moments of radio when we get a chance to hear the dog. Enjoyed that. Uh, Destin, always enjoy what you have to say and write. Uh, a to Z Sports, of course. Check it out, Destin Adams. Appreciate you, man. Have a, uh, have a great offseason. I'm sure we'll be touching base. And he is gone. Guess he went to go deal with the dog. Uh, but anyway, uh, Destin Adams joining us here on the Sports Rush. Yeah, he's, he's giving his dog some some you-know-what right now. <laughs> it was the dog giving its opinion on T. Higgins there. Yeah, yeah the, dog, the dog disagreed with Destin in that situation. Um, no, actually, I mean, I, T. Higgins is a great name, but I don't know that he's, he's the right answer for the Colts because of the money that he's going to cost the uh, – you know, the fact that I don't know you get that dominant vertical threat. I've just heard from Destiny said, uh, sorry, my dog was trying to kill the Amazon driver. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, <laughs> you know, Destin has the most unique real life situations going on. Oh, poor Amazon driver. Hope uh, they're I, all right. I know, I know. <laughs> so now there's a lawsuit involving Destin Adams. Uh-oh, latest sports news. Yeah, breaking news. <laughs> uh, we're on top of it. Uh, anyway, uh, coming up, we'll uh, we'll talk more about the Bears, the NFL playoff matchup, and, of course, a big one for the Mastodons tonight. It's all coming up with Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. 
Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Coming up at 6.15, Mastodon's basketball from Youngstown, Ohio. I've got the play-by-play. Chopper getting good and warm. Yeah, we got it out there uh, warming up here. 15 minutes to get me uh, to Youngstown, Ohio for the pregame show. And then at 6.30, it will be the tip as the Mastodons look to remain in first place in the Horizon League with a very difficult road game against Youngstown State. All right, coming up this weekend, it is round one of the NFL playoffs. We've got to rank these games. I want to, okay, out of all these games. Now, first of all, let's give you the rundown of who plays who when. On Saturday, game number one is Cleveland at Houston. Joe Flacco, 38 years old. Was sitting on a couch watching football a couple of months ago. Last playoff start 10 years yes. ago today. And uh, Houston, C.J. Stroud, first-year player, rookie quarterback, getting his team into the playoffs, almost a worst-to-first type of scenario. Uh, and so Cleveland at Houston starts it off on Saturday, followed by Miami, Kansas City, in the game that no one will know it actually happened because it's on Peacock. <laughs> Uh, the NFL messing it up, the Big Ten messing it up. I'm uh. just going to tell you, it, it, they're ahead of the times, right? It's it's not time yet. Not yet. Not yet. Too early to start throwing this Peacock out there. And, and the problem is people are not buying into Peacock to watch one game. No, they're not. And so you've either got to have an entire season or series or you know something where – you know, because the only playoff game this weekend that's on Peacock is that one, Miami, Kansas City. And you know what What stinks about it for us average Joes out there? That's a good game. That is a good game. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, that would be right near the top of my rankings for the best game this weekend. Yeah. Pittsburgh's at Buffalo. Uh, I give uh-huh. Pittsburgh no chance that at that one. That one's a snoozer. Green Bay at Dallas. I give Green Bay about the same chance I'm giving Pittsburgh. I think Dallas rolls. I think uh, the Raiders and Detroit, very intriguing. Rams. Uh, The Rams, I'm sorry. Yeah, the Rams at Detroit, very intriguing with Matt Stafford and Jared Goff going head-to-head for teams opposite for who they used to play for. Um, And then on uh, Monday night, you've got Philadelphia at Tampa Bay. Man, if Philly finds some way to lose this, there's going to be a lot of uproar in Philadelphia amongst Eagles fans. I'm like, you know what? Out of all the teams to play in the playoffs, Philadelphia might be the one you want to see on the schedule most right now. They're down. They've they've been so bad lately. But, uh, all right, my number one game of the weekend has got to be Miami and Kansas City. I I can't take them off number one. And it's unfortunate that they hit prime time Saturday night and they're on Peacock. It really should have been uh, an NBC slash Peacock game. Yeah. Like, like just stick your toes in the water and say, you know what? We we want you to, to, to know that Peacock is involved with NFL coverage and that it might be something you want to look at if you want to get the best of the NFL next season. But to take one of our... Our prime playoff games this weekend and throw it on Peacock. Shame on the NFL. Okay, number two game for me. Now, is that your number one, Adam? Yeah, that's my number Number one. Number two for me, Rams at Detroit. Yep. Yeah. Love that quarterback matchup with Stafford going back to Detroit, a place where he couldn't win a playoff game. And... uh, 
and uh, actually he could possibly win a playoff game in Detroit for the first time in his career <laughs> after playing all those years with the Lions. Uh, I like that one. Number three for me would be Cleveland at Houston. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be my number three as well. I uh, First of all, Cleveland's defense against C.J. Stroud is going to challenge the rookie, but it is at Houston. Yeah, and it's uh, the old versus young matchup. Yeah, the That's old fun. versus young. Uh, I, I'm intrigued by that. So that would be my number three game. My number four game, now I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll go with Green Bay-Dallas because yeah. of the Mike McCarthy storyline. At least it adds something to this. Pittsburgh-Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> all, all I think of a Pittsburgh-Buffalo is, is two towns with lousy weather that play outdoors. Other than that, I I don't have I don't have a whole lot of interest in watching uh, Mason Rudolph <laughs> against uh, against Josh Allen. No. I just think Josh Allen wins that hands down. I think quarterbacks do have a very important role in the playoffs. I think Buffalo wins easily against Pittsburgh. Um, okay, there we go. There's your ranking. There's your ranking. Uh, for, and that, that makes Philadelphia-Tampa Bay then. Or no, that makes uh, – did I count Philadelphia-Tampa Bay? I don't think you got that one in. I didn't get that one in. I would put Philadelphia-Tampa Bay – Probably uh, right behind Green Bay, Dallas, and then Pittsburgh, Buffalo's my my bottom my bottom team. Yep, I would put uh, Eagles, Bucks as my third worst. Okay, so you would slip them above Green Bay, Dallas. Yeah. All right, we uh, that's a, that's the playoffs coming up this weekend, and you know what? We've got big news because we've got playoff coverage. Yep, we've got uh, every game at least in part. It will be right here on thirteen eighty The Fan and one hundred point nine FM. Starting with the Saturday wild card, the Browns, the Texans, 4.30, joined right after the Purdue game against Penn State. We'll join it in progress. And then uh, Dolphins Chiefs, if you don't watch it on Peacock, you can listen to it right here. We've got your coverage, courtesy of Westwood One on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back. It's a sports rush at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. This is Purdue Fort Wayne men's basketball coach John Coffin, and you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Go Dons! Hey, congratulations, Doug Keller, today's winner of the four pack of tickets to go to the circus, the Shrine Circus, coming to the Memorial Coliseum January 26th through 28th. And Doug Keller is today's winner. We've still got a four pack of tickets we'll give away tomorrow. And another four-pack on Friday. How much fun is this? Love it. Love giving away stuff to our listeners. We play Santa all year long. So <laughs> congratulations. If you didn't win today, uh, come back with us tomorrow between 4 and 6. You'll get another chance to win tickets to the Shrine Circus. So coming up tonight, we've got the Mastodons at Youngstown State. Good battle. 13-3 and three versus 11-5. and five. You've got a team that's four and one in the conference, a team that's three and two. You can do the math. A lot riding on this one tonight. Mastodon's trying to bounce back after that home loss to Wright State and get a win at the Beagley Center in Youngstown, Ohio. Free game 615. The tip, an early tip at 630, right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. 
Got to thank our guests that appeared on today's show, Dylan Sin. In all two minutes, we were able to stay connected with him before the phone uh, issues. But always appreciate Dylan when he does make time for the show. And thanks to Destin Adams from A to Z Sports to talk Indianapolis Colts football. Thanks to you for being a part of the show on the other end of the radio. Always appreciate you. That will do it for today. It's the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.